0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's the Stinking Truth podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth podcast, uh, Mark Schlereth, alongside of Mike Evans, Scott the Hub, producing the show. Mike, man, I, I tell you what, it's it's getting that time. Saturday games coming up. Love Saturday. I, games. Love the Saturday games, but. Um, you know things are things are yeah. It's still the NFC that's wide open. There's still a lot of playoff uh, positioning up for for grabs. Yeah, but, but why, why are you why are you talking about like things like as trivial as football games when we could be talking about who got snubbed from the Pro Bowl? Yes, right. Yeah, good isn't point. that uh, what everyone loves to talk about oh, these I, days? I, who got I, yeah. snubbed? And I love you know. Here's what I love about the whole snub thing because I got in a You know, we do a radio show here in Denver, and I got in a little bit of an argument with the fans. um, Basically, told them they're stupid; they don't know what they're looking at. So, um, it didn't go over real well. I don't, I don't think. But you know, everybody goes, "Well, Justin Simmons in Denver, he got snubbed," and I'm like, "Okay, well, who you taking off? You taking off Earl Thomas? You taking off Mika Fitzpatrick? You taking off, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the other cat's name?" Adams, right? Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams. I mean, who are you taking off the? Who you taking off the Pro Bowl? Well, take off Earl Thomas because his stats aren't as good. You know, he's got about half the amount of tackles and half the interceptions and blah 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, well, well, one, you do realize that Earl Thomas, talking to GMS and former players and current players, Earl Thomas does things that no other safety on a football field does. You understand that, right? He's got, he's got his ability to diagnose and to erase the middle of the football field and to play things from a position that nobody else plays. Like, he's a deep third safety, and he's on the line of scrimmage on the outside looking like he's blitzing, and he can get there and make a play. It's it, The other thing is, Mike, and this is what drives me crazy. Like, you do realize that they play a, a style of defense in which they blitz Maybe more than anybody in the National Football League. So they're in man to man, maybe more than anybody in the league. And so there's not only zero blitz where he's in man to man coverage, but he may be in the middle of the field like in a cover one. And because he's got the ability to cover both seams, like nobody can cover both seams. So quarterbacks manipulate the safety, throw it to the opposite seam when you get cover one. And his ability to do that. He'll pick guys off. He'll make you throw bad, you know, he'll make you throw it into, into bad situations. So teams just stay away from him. They pick on the underneath routes and the crossing routes, and, you know, they get into stack formations and try to rub guys. They That's what they do. So you're not going to have the opportunity to compile as many statistics. And then the other thing, I'll give you one more. While we're just talking about why you don't understand the game. Yeah, it sounds like you're implying that uh... fans don't understand the game. I'm not implying it. I'm just telling you what, the way it is. Okay. Here's another thing you don't understand. Like one, the Ravens are the number one rush team in football. They are the number one time of possession team in football. So from a complimentary standpoint, you're playing five, six, seven minutes less a game on the defensive side. So you're going to have less opportunities to compile those statistics. There's, there's so like you're. You, People want to look at stat for stat, and they're comparing apples to oranges, and they think they they like. That. Well, look, he's got better stats. Well, that's not it's not the way it works, and so you've got to take the totality of all the information you have, not just the stats. You know, the stats oftentimes lie, and I always say this about people who always spit stats at me on Twitter and everywhere else. Like one, if you're spitting stats at me, one, you didn't watch. You're just looking at stats or two. You watch, but you have no idea what you're looking at. So then you're spitting stats. Like, I don't want you to spit a bunch of stats at me. Watch, get, watch coaches tape, and tell me who's good and who's not good. That's all. Thus endeth the lesson. Thus. <laughs> Endeth the dictation. (laughs) That's right. You're welcome. Wow. All you football fans out there, you are so blessed to be listening to Mark Schlereth right now. I don't go to your job as an accountant and tell you how to crunch numbers. Oh, you're crunching those numbers wrong. I don't know anything about it. That's why I have an accountant. Let them crunch numbers. I don't tell them. I don't tell them. And when I walk into my accountant's office, he didn't tell me about, you know, about, why the uh, you know why the cut cover four is a great right thing to rent. I don't no, no. He didn't tell me that. Okay, but I'm telling you, if accounting was popular enough that there was an accounting fantasy team that you were on, you'd probably have an opinion about accountants and the job that they're doing. Thank the Lord, accounting will never be popular enough to have an accounting fantasy league. And no, I don't even play. I don't even play fantasy football. Right, that's for you. Do you think? Do you think fantasy football? Is mm. is the worst when it comes to leading fans to think that they know more than they really do. Oh, do you yeah. think that's been the, the biggest Absol- absolute problem in all this? I mean it's it's been the problem, it's also been the reason the NFL is so popular. Right. I mean it's it's kind of a double edged sword. People love fantasy football. They love all that, right? And it gets everybody involved and you know, you can just look at stats and go, Oh, well this guy's good and this guy isn't. Right. I mean that's what it boils down to, but it's so much deeper than the statistics would allow you know allow you to kind of understand quote unquote. But yeah, that's that's part of that's part of the issue, um. And, you know, and and then the other thing is we've got all these you know all these grading services that are grading players on game plans that they don't know anything about. I mean, you don't have the game plan, like there. Are, I had a coach tell me, he goes. Here's the like the basics of it, Mike. If you got a too high open look, a too high safety, you're playing either man or cover two. And if you got a single high safety, you're playing either one or you're playing cover three. Like that's kind of if you're just boiling it down to the basics, that's it. Now out of that, there are eight million ways to play cover three. You, you, I mean, there's guys you can double, guys you can single. There's guys that you can you can lock one edge and make it man to man, and then you can kick over to the opposite side of the field. There's a million different ways to to do it, and unless you unless you've got the game plan specific to that game, as you're watching it, you can be independent. You really don't know a hundred percent what that player was coached to do. So it could look like that player made a horrific mistake when in actuality he was doing exactly what he was coached to do, and it was somebody else's responsibility. And so that's why all these grading services and stuff that people look at, like, those things are those things are inaccurate. At best, they're inaccurate. All right, then, at the uh, risk of incurring your wrath, I guess— I got to admit that I'm kind of, um, kind of in turmoil when it comes to Jameis Winston these days because I'm watching him put up obscene numbers, mm-hmm. well over 300 yards passing. I think he's going to go over 5,000 yards passing this year. He's going to join a very select group of of players, quarterbacks, to go up to those numbers. And yeah, I know he's still throwing the occasional pick here and there, but I'm I'm kind of thinking that if I'm Tampa, I don't move on from Jameis Winston and I wouldn't have told you that 6 weeks ago. Right. So Right. Well, right, I mean, now, he's going to sh- now cut me to a quick. Here. He's no, he's got a chance to lead the league in interceptions, got a chance to Well, he's leading the league in interceptions. He's going to lead the league he's in interceptions. He's got what? 30 touchdowns and 24 picks? Um, I think they're close to those numbers. Yeah, something like that. I called his game last week. He threw a pick on the second drive of the game, and then he went on to throw four touchdowns. So I think he's I think he's right there. He's neck and neck with uh, Lamar Jackson when it comes to touchdown passes. Uh, he's, I think, a couple three behind or so. He could be the first guy ever to throw 30 picks and 30 touchdowns in a season. I mean – like, if you want to make the argument that Jameis Winston's the worst quarterback you've ever seen play the game, I can I can show you the film to back it up. And if you want to make the argument that Jameis Winston's the best quarterback you've ever seen, I can show you the film to back it up. That's why it's maddening. I mean, it's maddening. But I will tell you, I will tell you, you know, again, another new system for Jameis this year, um, and... A lot of the mistakes he makes, Mike, are hero arm mistakes. I can make any throw. I can fit it in any window. I can do, like, they are those mistakes. His ability to rebound from those mistakes and not let it affect him and continue to play aggressive football is one of the most remarkable things I watch because I don't have that ability. I don't have the ability to go out and make a couple of mistakes of aggression and not let that get into my mental psyche for the rest of the game. I don't. He does. I find it I find it fascinating. They have a decision to make. Jameis is is you know, he's playing pretty exceptional football right now. There's just the times though where he is like, you know, you'll get you'll get like the very first throw of the game against Indy two weeks ago. You get a reduced split by Mike Evans. It's clearly cover three. There's a single high safety. And the corner has got an outside shade with his ass to the sideline. You know, anytime I see that, I'm like, okay, that's zone. That's a cover three. That's an indicator, right? Things that your quarterbacks look at. Um, now, if he was square and in press, then I'm thinking you could still bell and play cover three. But that's an indicator of cover one. Anyhow, doesn't matter. <clears throat> you're, you're looking at a cover three. So, you've got to understand, like, to me, who's the buzz defender, who's the hook defender, who's the opposite hook, who's the opposite buzz, and, and what depths do they go to, right? So, instantly, you got a hook defender that's going to be 8 to 10 yards deep, 1 yard outside the hash. They run a slant right to that spot, and it's Leonard, the linebacker from Indianapolis. It's the first throw of the game, and... Jameis has got this yes/no mentality. Is it Mike Evans? Yes. All right, I'll throw it, and he throws it right to the linebacker. Now the linebacker's six foot five, and he gets you know some height on it, and he intercepts the ball. But instantly, you know, you should have eliminated it based upon now if he's if he's not in a reduced split, if he's outside the numbers, yeah. You know, maybe if he's running the slant inside the buzz defender, yeah, or if the buzz defender's late throw it. Sure, I get it. You're one-on-one. But not in that situation. So he'll make, you know, two or three of those a game where you're just like, "Dude, you can't. You just can't. You got to understand you know where the defenders are. You got to understand like where they are in coverage. But I really believe it's because he's got such talented players around him that he feels like he can make any throw. I, you know, I have talked to their GM at length about this. Jason Lights, the GM of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you know, I always joke with him. I go, well, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. You know, he's like up yours. But, you know, we have this conversation. Um, you know, I think you're going to have to retain him. I think you and do, And maybe it's, maybe it's just on a... I think maybe it's just on a... Um, on the franchise deal for one year. And see if he can clean up the interceptions. Yeah. Remember, year five for Peyton Manning and year five for Jameis Winston, almost identical numbers. Almost identical. So... Another year under Byron Lefwich, another year under Bruce Arians, maybe cleans those things up a little bit. They're an exciting football team to watch, and they are starting to play with that kind of confidence that Jameis plays with. I think they have to retain him. You know, you can pretty much count on every year. I think it's it's speaking of stats, it's like 6.8 or 7.2 coaches get fired mm-hmm. every year. Going back over like the last decade plus. Right. And we've already had a couple coaches who've gotten fired. Correct. But I was convinced that Matt Patricia would be one of them. I thought, what, 9-20-1 is his his record in Detroit. Mm. Yeah. Um, Haven't haven't won a game since Matthew Stafford went down. I, I just thought he'd be the one that would get get fired he'd be one of them the the whole idea oh another part another mm-hmm. Belichick disciple who's you know can't strike out on his own and you know I I thought Detroit would get rid of him but they came out and said that both he and the, the the GM Bob Quinn Bob Quinn uh will be back again next year does that surprise you um yes and no I mean it it surprises me in that I just did a Detroit game last weekend and <laughs> Every article, you know, they send you these daily clips when you do a game. So they d- send you these daily clips, all the articles written. It's the bloggers. It's the columnists. It's the Detroit Free Press. It's all those. And like every column was, this should be Matt Patricia's last, you know. I mean, it, it is pretty brutal. But remember now, they were 3-3-1 and in the game that Matthew Stafford got hurt. They lost that game, and he hasn't played since. They're not down to their second-string quarterback. They're down to their third-string quarterback, a guy that wasn't part of the offseason program or training camp. They got him after the final cuts were made in a trade with Cleveland. His name is David Blau. So they're down to their third-team quarterback, Mike. They're down to their fourth-team running back. Both, their, their, both running backs that are starting or playing have been picked up off the street. Both Scarborough is one and Wes Hills is the guy who played last week. They played with three offensive linemen on the bench last week because of injury. So they've got three backup offensive linemen. So three-fifths of your starting offensive line is injured or playing injured or not playing at all. You lost your number one your number one receiver, as far as catches are concerned, in Marvin Jones. Two of your starting defensive linemen were out last week in hand in A'shaun Robinson. You lost both your starting linebackers, your Christian Jones and Jared Davis. <laughs> you traded your your All Pro safety in Quandre Diggs. I mean, like, like some of it, yes, is it hasn't been great from a coaching standpoint. It's got to be better, but a lot of it is circumstance. I mean, they got like 15 guys on IR. And it's hard to do that when you're trying to change a culture and try to put a system in and all those different things. So I think continuity is important. I think it's easy. I think firing everybody is the easy decision to make. Do you do you when you're around Patricia, do you do you get a sense that you're around a guy who isn't being himself, who's trying to be Belichick, or of all the guys that have come from the Belichick tree? Mm-hmm. Is is he one of the more authentic ones? I I just Like when Josh McDaniels yeah. was here in Denver, it was so painful to watch mm-hmm. how yeah. he was trying to be the little hoodie. Right. But what about Patricia? I think I think there's probably I think there's a workflow, kind of a work in progress of trusting kind of yourself. Like you get so indoctrinated into this is the Patriot way. This is the way we did it here. And I don't think I, it's hard for that not to come out. Yeah. It's like saying we. Like, I I still say we when I talk about the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I haven't played for them forever, right? But there's still that turd in my pocket that's the we turd, you know? And I think they've got the we turd going on to a degree. And I think it's it's hard to get rid of that. It's hard to establish yourself for credibility. You've got to be like, hey, This is where I came from, and this is the way we do things. And so I think that's a work in progress. Matt, you know, is very, you know, very honest with me, I think. I mean, we have, you know, really good conversations, and he's been nothing but super gracious. And he's given me great, like, great information. And I know it's correct because exactly what he says he's going to do, he goes out and does it game day. And I've called now two – I've called two Lions games with Matt being the head coach. And he's given me insight into game plan and what they want to do and how they're going to do things, and it's been spot on. Exactly what he told me they were going to do is what they've done. And so I have, you know, a lot of trust in in what he is doing. I just think it's really hard system-wise to, to implement that. And I think sometimes it's hard, you know, when you watch – guys and get guys to buy in that have been you know that have been pro bowlers or that have been really good players like um you know I'm watching I'm watching their all pro corner Darius Slay is one of the great cover guys that uh, that you watch in this league then all of a sudden occasionally he'll he'll play a little two-hand touch when it comes to tackling guys you know that's that's hard to overcome like last a week ago before last week's game, he's covering, you know, Quandre Diggs, and he catches a slant on, or not Quandre Diggs, excuse me. Uh, um, Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs catches a slant. He goes two-hand touch, and he gets another six yards. And, you know, I write in my notes, that pisses me off. It's putting yourself ahead of your teammates. And then the next play, you know, Diggs beats him down the, down the sideline for 44 yards, and they end up scoring a touchdown – you know, with 30 seconds before, this is against Minnesota before the half. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's football karma. That kind of shit effort that you gave, that's football karma. You deserve to get your ass beat. And so you got to, as, as a coach, you come in and that's been established and it's been allowed. How do you rectify that when that guy's the best player on your defense? Let's, uh, let's get to the two big games on the schedule this weekend. Uh, we'll start with the Mediocre Bowl. Seven and seven, Dallas. Seven and seven, Philadelphia. Winner, you know, probably wins the uh, wins the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, games in Philly. Mm-hmm. Who you like? Um. Who Who do I like, and who I'm going to take are probably two different things. Well, no, who you going to take? I'm going to take Dallas. Just the better team. They're just they're just loaded. Yeah. There, which makes seven and seven. So, head scratching. Yeah. But I guess in a situation like this, you just have to say, no matter the turmoil or dysfunction that they've had this year, they're still the better team. Talent wise, roster wise, head to toe, they're just way better. Way better. Now, they may not show up. They may not game plan very well. Like, if I got to go, if you say, okay, intangible, the intangible bowl, oh, I'll give it to Philly every time right, based upon, based of just upon their head coach. I'll give it to their head, Doug Peterson over Jason Garrett 10 out of 10 times. But, you know, when you start looking at the lack of production, the lack of wide-receiving production, you know, they're a two-tight-end offense that they have to, they have to go through their two-tight-ends. They've got to go through Ertz. And what's the other cat's name? Goddard. Goddard, yep. They gotta go through those two guys. Outside the numbers, hell, um, what's the kid's name that plays running back? Miles Miles uh, Sanders. Miles Sanders. That that kid's become like their, their most their primary He's weapon. It's like their Christian McCaffrey. Right. He's become their primary weapon. So uh they have the they have, in my mind, the best offensive line in football. And these are two of the best offensive lines you'll ever watch. Brandon Brooks is a great player at the guard position. Kelsey's a great player at center. Um Peters is tremendous. Now, they they lost Lane Johnson, right? Didn't he get hurt? He's a great player. He's been hurt. But they, you know, the, both these offensive lines are great. But I just think the secondary of Philly has been atrocious. Um, they just have so many more holes roster-wise um, that I just am going to look at the talent and go, just based on the talent alone, I'll take the Cowboys, which probably means the Cowboys will – take a dump in their helmets, (laughs) which, nothing would make me happier. It wouldn't wouldn't surprise, no, it wouldn't surprise anybody. It would, would and nothing would make me, well, maybe one thing would make me happier. What's that? Cleveland taking a dump in their helmets again would make me just about as happy as Dallas taking a dump in their helmets. Anybody who's listened to this podcast over the last year knows that we're we're enjoying this Cleveland Mm. fall from grace. Because during the summer, we were just hammering them cover oh. boys commercials you guys haven't put a drop of piss in the bucket and yet here you are leading the rubber chicken tour and just would love to see you guys fall flat on your face and boy have they well it's it's the it's the old saying in football there's two types of athletes or in sports in general there's two types of athletes those who are humble and those who are about to be if this doesn't humble your ass nothing will cuz you guys have been an absolute train wreck from your head coach wearing his pittsburgh started t-shirt and then blaming his daughter for giving it to him like like the lack of maturity the lack of adult nature of this football team is hilarious and then baker Mayfield still has commercials he like they still have new progressive commercials rolling out every oh, other new week. wave yeah Now hey. he does make a good commercial He's you know what he's better at he's a better pitchman than he is a quarterback That's right true. now. That's true. So That's true. So it makes me it makes me very happy to watch them lose. The other game, uh uh-huh. the AFC East showdown, Buffalo and New England. And what are we seeing with Tom Brady? First time since 2008 doesn't get named to the Pro Bowl. Mark these last these are his completion percentage in his last five games. Now, 60 is the uh, assumed benchmark now, right? Gotta be you got to be at you got to be at 60, right? At least. At least. Okay? Mm-hmm. Here are his last five games. 55.3, 45.9, 51.1, 52.8, 51.7. Not even close to the... New minimum. What's happening? Well, oh man. He should be at, at he should be at sixty just on handsomeness. He should have gone to the Pro Bowl just on his handsome factor. I know. He and Jimmy Garoppolo both left out of the Pro Bowl. Do they not do they not understand? Hmm. Um he's got one receiver that he really believes in, Julian Edelman. And that guy's hurt. And he's hurt. That's it. Like, they don't – there is the – one thing about playing for the Patriots, you know, when Ocho Cinco went to the Patriots, remember, and he never – he couldn't even get on the field. Like, everything is adjustable. Every route's adjustable. Every route has a – like, everything that you run, basic, hey, if, if we call this route or the route combination and you get this defense, you change from this route to that route. Like, everything is – and it's – everybody has – well, I shouldn't say everybody, but most everybody has some of that in their offense, some slight adjustments. But the Patriots, you know, my understanding, having talked to a lot of guys that play there, um, theirs is really in-depth. The amount of adjustment, the amount you have to read. So, how many different – I'm sorry to interrupt, but this interests me as a football fan who doesn't know anything. um, Correct. (laughs) So – Okay, I'll, I'll take Julian Edelman, for example, okay? Mm-hmm. So when he heads out on a pass route, right. he's not just running one predetermined pass route. He could have what? How many variations of this one pass route that he's getting ready to run? Two, four, six, what? Yeah, well, if like if you're running, like everybody runs an option route, right? So if you're running an option route, and you're in the middle of the football field, you're running that route based on the leverage you get from whoever the defender is. Then you got to understand zone or man, right? So, you know, you're running you're running away from that zone defender, but you're also making sure you're not running yourself into coverage, right? So you got to kind of hunker that down. And then there's the option routes. There's there's routes that say, "Hey, okay, now you have you can go in or out on the option or you can go in out or you can go up based upon the leverage that you get based on the other routes you know based on the other routes that are are part of that like there are some routes that you're like all right on this route you're running you know you're running um, you can't run in because we've got slants on the other side so you can only go up or out you know it's I mean there's just a million different things and then uh, even more difficult than that is hey if we get this particular type of coverage, right? If we get this type of coverage, like so we're running a post, for instance. So we wanna run post. We wanna run that against a single high safety look. If all of a sudden they're in a single high safety look as you start your route, right? So you're thinking post, 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 and then all of a sudden the safety that was down bolts out and and it becomes some type of quarters coverage. Now all of a sudden, midstream, you got to be able to read that and take take that post and turn it into a dig on the fly running four four six. Okay, or but four, right? what, but it sounds like what you're describing is something that every offense and every quarterback receiver combo has to deal with. So why is it such a big deal, or why is such a big deal being made of it in New England? that, well, you know, Brady's just not on the same page with Nikhil Harry or Mm -hmm. Jacoby Myers or Muhammad Sanu hasn't been there long enough, all that kind of stuff, that he just doesn't have any trust in these guys going the right place. Well, that's going on around the NFL every single week then, the way I hear it from you. Well, I mean, I don't think it's going on every single week because this is why guys get together in OTAs and why guys get together throughout training camp and why guys, and for them... The only guy that's had that is uh is Julian Edelman. And so you run a couple of incorrect routes and a ball gets picked off or it's wildly you know, it's wildly inaccurate and you have to hear how inaccurate and how you've lost your skill set, you know what you start doing as quarterback? Well, I ain't going back to those guys. So then I think you just start targeting one dude. Okay. And I, I think that's I think that's, that's part of it. I mean, I there's more I mean, obviously as you age you're gonna you know, you're gonna I mean we've been so anxious to bury Tom Brady for however many years. That's been, you know, that's everybody has has been waiting for this precipitous fall that hasn't happened. But you know, obviously they're not playing very well as an offense. They're not very coordinated and I think I think the majority of it is I don't have any faith in other other than one guy I have no faith in. So this. you don't you don't you don't go along with the idea that we're seeing Tom Brady Physically fall off the cliff. No, and you know, intelligence or decision making wise, he's lost his mojo. No, not 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 at all. all. I don't. I don't think so. And I think, Mike, I also think that there are, there are a lot of, there are a lot of teams. They have adjustments. They don't have the depth and level of adjustments. And and you know what I'm saying. So. There's a lot of teams that that subtle adjustments. Hey, if you get this, I want you to cut this route a little bit shorter or whatever. So it's all about familiarity. If all of a sudden this week Tom Brady had a healthy Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, Danny Amendola, and um, Chris Hogan, for Mm -hmm. example. Those are his four wide receivers. And they've had a chance to practice all week. And that old... Yeah, Mojo comes back and they all know what it that it would look like a completely different Tom Brady. Oh, I believe. Yes, absolutely. If he had all those guys healthy Healthy. and playing at a high level. Yeah. Yeah. No question. No question. Well, that is very revealing when you have the whole Tom Brady is he finished debate or not. Right. So, Plus, the other thing is, is he hasn't lost any handsomeness. I think he's even more. You know, you look at the pictures more of him. distinguished. When he was like, you know, he's, 25, 27, supposedly in his prime. He's better looking now. Much better looking. Yeah, I get that about me all the yeah. time. Yeah. How have I you see pictures aged of so well? you. Right. Back in your. Now, there's you in your, like, teenage days, which was just mm, freaking ridiculous. Patrick Swayze esque. Ridiculous ridiculous right, okay yeah. I have no problem face to face right now mm-hmm. telling you that was stupid mm-hmm. ridiculous okay yeah no teenager should be gifted w- with what you were gifted with right okay yes can I s- yeah. establish that yes okay. okay that's done. then you went into your playing days uh-huh. and I don't know what the hell happened to you you know it was a slow gradual it was a slow gradual <laughs> climb to obesity yeah <laughs> <laughs> what it was right 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 i mean and now yeah now you're back to being i am i'm too heavy but i will tell you this mike uh i have been on an all meat diet oh, for that three days sounds so good and is i it working uh, oh you know people get on a diet like people go vegan i've never felt better oh god it's on um, my I'd, skin is radiant I'd it's be glowing i'd be i'd be miserable I don't care. So, if I don't care if I got into the best shape of my life. Right, I'd be miserable on a vegan diet. So I've been uh, texting with my daughter and calling my daughter, and it's like, every she's like, "Hi, Dad, how's it going?" I I have never been better. She's like, "You've been doing it for a day." I've never felt better. My stools—they're unreal. You know, I just go, just make just I'm, make her squirt. Yeah, I just make stuff up. I know she's on speakerphone. She's got some of her friends around. My pooping has been unbelievable <laughs> since I've been on this all meat diet. I don't fart anymore, you know. I just anything to just to make your skin. Crawl. What is all like? Like like. So like, what's a what's a, a day like on a meat diet? What what do you? It's all they call it carnivore diet. Oh You just eat animal products. Ah, uh, yeah, so, but, you gotta, but you sometimes just... you can't eat all you want. Right, I mean, there's limits to how much meat you can eat before. Mm-hmm. I mean. I didn't. I didn't read. I didn't. I didn't read the fine print. <laughs> so, so
1: every man, day
0: is like a day at Fogo de Show for you, yeah, or something. Or, yeah, Grigio or exactly. Grill. Yeah. <laughs> I'll you know I'll walk by the butter dish and I'll just get a knife and yeah. scoop a little hunk of butter out, right. throw some salt on it, so oh, it's real salty. Yeah. And I'll just eat it raw. Yeah. So you know it's, it's gonna be great animal. for you. It's all animal stuff. That's what the animals do? Yeah. <laughs> It's just meat. It's like, and and the fattier, the better. Oh, yeah. It's all red. I just eat red meat and hard-boiled eggs is my whole diet. If I want a snack, maybe I'll eat a piece of cheese, but that's my whole diet. And it's working? I haven't died. <laughs> I've only been doing it for three days. Three days. I haven't had a heart attack yet. <laughs> my yeah, My heart is still beating. <laughs> Hanging on by the skin of its teeth. We'll see. I uh, feel like I feel like I've lost some weight. Really? Yeah, I you really feel did. like it. I feel yeah. like it. I with don't the, have any but the again, is this like stats lie? <laughs> you know, if you haven't if the scale says you haven't lost any weight, ha huh, stats. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't but see I haven't been doing normally I do the scale all the time. I haven't been doing the scale. Ah, right. But I'm just telling you, I feel like uh, I feel like I've lost a few pounds good, just in good. three days. Good. Well, you're not going to lose weight if you don't eat any carbs. Like you think about it, All I've eaten, seriously, is organic, like grass-fed hamburger patties and hard-boiled eggs for two days. I'm on my third day, and then milk with heavy—I mean, excuse me—coffee uh, with a little heavy cream in it. That's it. That's it. I'm on a coffee and meat diet. Oof. I'll drink yeah. a little water just to this keep be, things moving. This could be revolutionary. really could be. I'm could fa- you imagine? I'm fascinated to see the results here. Could a week you from you imagine now? if, like, in two weeks, I'm down 15, or uh, 20, 15 pounds? On a diet of coffee, meat hamburger and meat. patties? and Do you think I'll get tired of just eating meat? Bo- no. I don't think so either. No. People are like, how can you just eat meat? I go, it's easy. delicious. Are you kidding me? Are you how? kidding me? Yeah. All right. Who wins Buffalo uh New England? Uh I where is it is it in, it's in New England. In New England. I'm gonna go New England. Yeah, you, tough. I, I'm tough, gonna go. Yeah. I yeah, can't yeah, I can't see just I can't see they just, they've just won they had just won twenty one in a row at home. Kansas City beat him. You think they're going to lose two in a row at home? Yeah. And Josh Allen, Josh Allen's been really fun. He's been great. He's been, I'm not ready to anoint him Hall of Fame yet either. Okay? So let's just pump our brakes on that one. I like the Bills Mafia, though. They show out. Two o'clock in the morning, meeting them after Pittsburgh. Taking selfies outside. Bills Mafia. Respect that. You got to love the Bills Mafia. They show out for sure. All right, for everybody involved in the Stick of Truth podcast, for myself, for Mike, for Scott, we thank you for listening. We'll be back with you next week.